Hello and welcome to PW's LitCast, a podcast from Publishers Weekly. In each episode of this podcast, we speak with authors creating fiction books. Uh, they range from sci-fi, mid-mystery to graphic novels, as well as nonfiction. I'm Calvin Reed, Senior News Editor at Publishers Weekly, and today I'm speaking with Hazel Nulevant, whose graphic novel, No Ivy League, is published by Lion Forge and will be released in the direct market this month and in the book trade in September. How are you doing, Hazel? Hi, Calvin. I'm good. I'm excited to be speaking with you, and I can scarcely believe that my book is coming out so soon because I've been working on it for five years. Wow, that sounds like you should be happy. I'm just going to remind our listeners, we actually uh, were able to run an excerpt from No Ivy League, you know, uh, yeah, a couple of, a month or two ago. So I really want to talk to you a little bit about the book, but maybe we could start off with you telling uh, the audience a little bit about your background. My background is definitely part of the subject matter of No Ivy League. I grew up in Portland, Oregon as like an unschooler, which is like, homeschooling, but more free form and sort of a hippie style homeschooling, not like religious style homeschooling, which like the twain rarely meet as it happens. So grew up in Portland. No Ivy League is about, you know, coming out of this very sheltered and privileged world of homeschooling and you know, hanging out with all of these high school kids and Portland's very white homeschooling is, you know, especially so as it's, you know, being able to actually do that is often a factor of privilege. So, you know, I was like, just dealing with coming out of that bubble for the first time. But, you know, since the time period of no Ivy League, which is when I was 17, I moved to New York to go to SVA. And uh, now I live here in Queens. And I was an editor at Lion Forge for a while, which was a really fun, satisfying job getting to work on other people's comics. And now I am just working from home as a cartoonist. No Ivy League really brings together um, uh, some really interesting themes. I mean, obviously, it looks at your life when you're 17. Um, but what I found very interesting about it is how you bring together a variety of themes from social development to the I'm going to call it cultural encounters. Uh, some people might call it a cultural clash. But you really uh, do a job at introducing your 17 year old self to the world beyond your homeschooled childhood. Oh, thank you so much. And yeah, it's not simply about, you know, being white and coming from like an extremely white enclave and then like realizing that privilege, but also, you know, feeling out of place. It also deals with sexual harassment and um, I guess wanted versus unwanted sexual attention within a framework of like age, race, class, um, all, all of these different factors that play into, you know, making things not just like straightforward power dynamics. 
Yeah. So why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about the details of the plot? And I don't want to I don't wanna give spoilers away because the way you you introduce new issues, I think, is, a, is an important part of how the book is structured. But I think it would be great uh, if you could tell our listeners a little bit about about really, I mean, some of the details, who you were at 17, the new people you're meeting and this this summer job that kind of sets the scene. Yeah. So um, when I was 17, I had a very sort of idealized vision of what, you know, being homeschooled meant and like how great it was just, you know, not having to have the structure and being able to like be pretty um, self-directed in what I was studying. And so, you know, I tried to express my previous viewpoint on what homeschooling was and also like what my friends thought of it and how we interacted through, um, showing this video contest that we did about like making home movies about what's cool about homeschool to try and win a prize, which is, you know, a real thing that we did one summer. And, um, so I thought that sort of artistically, expressed our sort of naive idealized vision about how cool homeschooling is at the, at the beginning of the story. And then I get the summer job. It was definitely my first time, like being in the minority in any situation as a white person, which, you know, says a lot about Portland and about being homeschooled within that. And, what, and what's the job? Because actually I did, a, I Googled this and, and apparently this is a, still a job. It sure is. So the job is uh, removing English ivy, which is an invasive species that, you know, was brought over from Europe and then um, just uh, colonizes the landscape of America and can, you know, destroy the local plant life by totally taking over the ground cover, climbing up trees and, um, and, and killing them essentially, which is, you know, a whole potential metaphor for white supremacy and colonialism. So yeah, the job is every summer, they Portland parks and recs would hire youth crews to, um, go out and pull the Ivy and, you know, cut it, take it away from the trees because forest park in Portland is just like a huge swath of public land. It's really beautiful, but there's a lot of uh, potential maintenance to be done there. And you're put together with a team of other teens. um, Right. Right. uh, Also looking to work. Yeah. And I mean, the differences were not purely about, race, of course. And it's not like I was the only white kid on that team, but, you know, also about like their experience as, uh, as, as public high schoolers and like how the social norms of that versus the social norms of, of homeschooling, which I think were a lot more like, I don't know, polite and gentle in some ways, you know, maybe to my detriment because like I didn't really know how to take it yeah and I largely bonded with like my my bosses there which is a whole thing and you know I think it is a subplot especially uh 
me having a, a crush on one of the bosses who I thought was real cute, which I think is, you know, certainly not a good plan for a relationship. But I think a lot of people experience that as, as teens, just like finding an authority figure really attractive and being all sort of hard eyes over them, you know? And I think me connecting more in some ways with the bosses than with my peers shows like what I was sort of equipped for as a homeschooler, you know, like being an only child and being homeschooled. Like in a lot of ways I was just used to, uh, hanging out with adults and, you know, that kind of relationship where I try to like impress them by being a prodigy, but it's not a peer dynamic. Yeah, no. Your character, your 17-year-old self, you know, was reaching out and and you weren't always embraced. Uh, as you progress through the book uh, and as your relationships with the characters grow, it seems to me that all of the people in the book, both yourself and uh, your co-workers, they grow and reflect and the relationship between all of you, they seem to have changed. There seems to be movement, certainly by the end of the book. Yeah, absolutely. That, I mean, that's why I chose to um, do a comic about that summer is because I saw it as like a really pivotal growth period for myself, you know, just sort of going in like idealistically sort of swaggering into the situation. Like I, you know, people generally like me, I know how to make friends, like this is going to be Great. And, you know, some people I alienated or some people who I initially thought that I did have a connection with turned out to like have some pretty misogynistic uh, underlying beliefs where I felt like I couldn't really be friends with them. And then, you know, some people who I had tension with and, you know, initially didn't like me, like we were actually able to talk stuff out and bond. Yeah. So there's, you know, definitely changes in almost all of the relationships. Like I was, um, felt, uh, especially, um, after I got sexually harassed, like people had all of these sort of diverging reactions to it. And I was really, surprised by the, you know, people on the team who I thought, you know, quote unquote, thought were my friends, um, reacting very negatively and going like, Oh, Hazel should just have a, a thicker skin, learn how to take a joke. And then, you know, people who I assumed would take the side of, you know, the harasser having their own viewpoints on it and um, understanding where I was coming from. I also want to ask you a little bit about uh, working in memoir. Now, we mentioned very quickly at the beginning of some of your uh, other books. Um, and I'm curious, because you do a lot of work about your own life. So maybe you could talk about the power of, of memoir. You seem to work primarily in this uh, approach. Yeah, I have absolutely been drawn to memoir. I've also done a few comics that are, um, 
researched biographies of other people, like especially queer musicians in history. But I feel like I just don't really have the fiction gene. <laughs> like I want to take a basic set of facts and, you know, reality, whether it's from my own memory or just stuff that I've researched and then assemble it into a story, which I try to do by, um, finding times in my life that have changed me because I think that's something that makes a lot of stories tick and work and, you know, makes readers connect with them. Like I have to use myself as a character and say, okay, a story is about a character growing and changing. So when did I grow and change? How did, how can I quantify that? And, um, memoir is probably my favorite genre of comics to read too, or, you know, even just very like reality based fiction stuff. That's like grounded in the author's own experiences. Yeah. I just really feel like, especially with comics that can be written and drawn by one person, like you can never truly know what it's like to be someone else. But often when I'm reading someone else's comic, like I feel like I'm really getting into their shoes and doing a a mind meld with them. And, um, you know, honestly, I want to be able to take people through my own experiences in a similar way. Yeah, you really use your life to kind of really lay out the issues around you and how you resolve them. So I wanted to ask you real quickly about you. one of the things your book also has that I found very interesting is your author's note in the background about putting the book together. Uh, um, you really worked on this book a long time and it evolved over time. But I also thought it was really great that you added this breakdown of your process. So in addition to guiding us through your own social evolution, yeah, you, you've kind of laid out some uh, an interesting uh, kind of outline for other cartoonists looking to think about how to go about uh, doing your work. So maybe you could talk just quickly to, as we wind this up about the process of putting the book together. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I decided that this period in my life would make a good graphic novel because it was such a pivotal experience for me and other people can sort of identify their own pivotal experiences. Then I like brainstormed without looking at any reference, uh, who, who my coworkers and bosses were and like tried to work out quote unquote character designs of them. And then I actually, went back and found photographs of that summer, which were really informative, but I realized that I'd uh, forgotten quite a few people, but that just meant that like they didn't play a role in my personal story, you know, what the events meant to me. So like, that's an example of how you can trim things down because it's, you know, really about wanting to, convey, you know, my journey of, I guess, feelings and, and knowledge. So that involved removing or, um, combining some characters to achieve that end. So do you start out with the script or, 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 or do you try to work the visual story up first? 
I do not start out with a script. Just personally, I don't enjoy working in pure text. I think that my drawing is my strong suit. So I just try to like wholesale design a page layout and write some dialogue based on my memories. And I mean, maybe if I had to make up what happened first, cause it was fiction. Maybe if I didn't already have the memories in my head, that would be more difficult, but yeah, I just do thumbnails as the script. And then that is something where I can show that to an editor or a friend and like give something that people can read because there's so much reading of the images, you know, it's not really, representative of what the story's going to be like if you don't see like the expressions on the characters that I'm going to draw or what the shots are going to be so then I can get feedback on that and eventually you know have a whole series of finished uh thumbnails and then I just enlarge them on a photocopier to the size I'm working at and uh trace over them refine them on watercolor paper because the book's all watercolored and uh, go from there. Just build it up with layers of washes. And stuff. All right. Well, well, look, Hazel, it's really great to talk to you. Congratulations on your book. Uh, it's thoughtful, beautifully illustrated, uh, brings together uh, so many important issues. And uh, I, I sense maybe some lingering um I don't know what to call it, uh, um, uh, maybe embarrassment uh, as you look back on your younger self. But uh, the story does you well. It shows you growing. It shows uh, young people growing. And um, I think you've got a real good book on your hands. As people probably could guess, I'm familiar with your work in the past. So this is a a wonderful addition uh, to the rest of your career in comics. Thank you so much, Calvin. That means a lot. And I really hope that listeners will pick up the book and enjoy it because, you know, as much as I'm not proud of certain things that I did that I wrote about in the book, I am absolutely proud of it as a, as a vulnerable and I think meaningful work of art. Awesome. Great to talk to you, Hazel. And thank you to all the listeners for listening tonight and please join us uh, for the next LitCast.